started this show about five years ago, I never really anticipated it to become what it's become. I never really thought that a guy sort of creating a small podcast in his attic back in Boston would end up here today. I am so fucking excited about today's episode. It is by far, and I know I've said this before, so let me change my tone of voice. This is the best recorded episode of In Love With The Process to date. No offense to any of the other guests that have been on the show. I love all of you, and I am so happy to have made these connections, but by far, today's episode is the best. I am so excited about today's guest. I am so excited about everything that we just talked about because I've already done it. That's why I'm fucking excited right now because I've already had the conversation and it's a good one. It's a real good one. And you've heard me before have actors on the show and personal connections have been made. Um, But today, today, it's so weird how the world works, right? Because you're just sort of hanging out. I think what happened was, is I was on Instagram, surfing Instagram, and I was at the Stan Winston Instagram account, which is a, a great one for, Stan, for uh, Stan Winston School. So it's the effects school, practical effects. And I was going through all these really cool clips that they have been posting from movies that we grew up loving. You know, how the Terminator actually moved around and what the prosthetics looked like on Arnold. Um, how, like motion for t-rex like early designs for t-rex for jurassic park that kind of stuff and i stumbled across a clip which obviously was nostalgic to a certain extent but was also incredibly fascinating to me i was fascinated by the technique that they used to put all these tiny little dinosaurs on today's guest right now if you've seen the graphic and you've read the title for the show Right, and why do I tease it? You already know who's on, but let me continue down this path, right? Let's pretend like you didn't read anything. You just click play. Uh, today's guest has also <laughs> walked into a bathroom in a movie with a marmot or a fucking weasel and tossed it into a tub. Remember that scene from a specific film? Or maybe you, like me, are a diehard, guilty pleasure lover of Michael Bay movies, right? And we all can quote one of his biggest and best Armageddon, right? And who was the disgruntled astronaut that they had to hang out with in space when they space docked before slingshotting to get to the asteroid, right? The astronaut that would fix all the technical issues on a spaceship by swinging a wrench at it. (laughs) one of my favorite parts or maybe let's go a little bit deeper cut right as deep as this cut may be but this actor also played the best version of the devil on screen in a in a movie starring keanu reeves do you know what film i'm talking about yes they do michael constantine right let's fast forward to a more recent piece that our guest was in a great show fantastic season one of a show american gods he also played essentially a version of thor on american gods which was amazing 
And every time I see our guest walk on screen, I smile ear to ear, no matter what movie it is. If we're talking Fargo and his love of wood chippers, if we're talking, um, wow, let me see, what else did I have here written down? Jesus, eight millimeter, great fucking movie. Uh, Minority Report, the coolest character. Every time our main actor, the high priced, you know, Tom Cruise walks into a movie and sits down in a dark, seedy chair somewhere. Today's guest is there, and I love him for it. And we get into it on today's show. We talk about his career. We talk about the choices that he's made. We talk a bit about Hollywood and trying to make films and how he's transitioned into being a director and how he's writing his own movies. And we talk about his history and where he started from and working on Cruise and how he came over and his philosophy on acting, which has helped him build such an astonishing career. And his roles, dare I say, his roles outlive the films themselves. And the way he plays these characters are an important part of pop culture, of cinema history. At least for my generation, for sure. And if you haven't figured it out, today's guest is none other than the amazing Peter Stormare. I'm so excited to have him on. Oh, you guys are in for a fucking treat. But before we get to it, I want to thank everybody for following me on Instagram at Mike Petchy and following the podcast at In Love With The Process Pod. That's In Love With The Process P-O-D on Instagram. I've been trying to keep you up to date with everything that's happening. The news release of our new uh, project is either out now or will be out in the next week or so. Uh, for May, we're going to be dropping news about how you can help us with the new proof of concept film new brand new horror proof of concept film i don't know if i can say the title yet so i'm not going to but yes i worked again with my partner in crime mr will simmons has actually written the script for this he is also the guy that has written who's there he is also the guy that has written the feature version of who's there and the feature version of 12 kilometers will is the shit and the only reason why I haven't had him on the show yet is that we've had an agreement that once one of these things happens, he's going to come on. So maybe this is the opportunity for that. We'll see. Um, but uh, lots of really exciting stuff happening. I think I should have them in my possession by the time the show comes out. I have some brand new amazing pins that are being uh, shipped to me right now that I've had designed by the amazing crunchy fingers um zach matthews has put together an amazing pin that you guys can't get your hands on uh only a select few get this pin we've only had a, a hundred pressed and most of them are going to guests i think i may be handing out some pins to super users and some of you know who you are the people that really support this fucking show and yes everybody that's listening you guys do support the show but super users are doing more than just listening super users are clicking on the trackable links during our ad campaign super users are telling their friends to listen to the show super users are posting their comments and sending me messages all the time that i repost that is what a super user is and you're going to be rewarded as such i promise you very excited about today's guest 
and very excited to be able to include all of you in it. So without further ado, grab a beer, come be polite, have a seat next to me and Peter and chill and hang out. Um, fortunately, you're not going to be able to ask any questions, but you're welcome to hang out and be with us. All right. You know the deal. Turn up those noise canceling headphones. Strap yourselves in for the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. Peter, thanks for being on the show, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thank you. I'm not skydiving. I'm sitting down. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I got to say, I'm, I'm fucking excited to have you on. Um, I, you have been uh, a staple in cinema for me. And I think that uh, every time I watch a movie and you uh, walk on screen, I... I think the last time I saw you was American Gods, and I was just like, fuck yes, he's in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I haven't seen the show, but it, it's, it's, a nice, it's, a, it's a nice character because yeah. it's also, you know, it relates to, you know, that the myth of Thor yep. is, built, is built on Chernobyl. It's all the same crap, you know, yep. coming from Mongolia and over, you know, with the Huns and 4,000, 5,000 years ago, they invaded Sweden and brought Chernobog, and we named him Thor. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, they're all linked together. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect casting for you, brother. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's a great, great setup. I think everybody should read the novel. The novel is better than a TV series, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's great, actually. It's a good novel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, where are we? So you out here in Los Angeles too? We on the same coast? Yeah. I'm sitting uh, not too far away from you down in West Hollywood. I oh, can nice. see Glendale from here. <laughs> nice. If, nice. I climb, if I climb a palm tree. <laughs> <laughs> Super cool, man. And uh, yeah. how's how's life? What have you been up to these days? Oh, boy. I'm... I'm you know, I set aside in my life when I was younger, and I had a. For, I was fortunate to get out of here. I wanted to come here when I was a young, young boy, and when the right, when the timing was right, as we say here in Hollywood, there's no time on the timing. <laughs> so, so when when it felt right, I came over here through New York, doing theater in New York and some indies, and then I got my first gig in '89. 
you know, with Penn and Marshall Awakenings. Oh, yes, that's and, right. And, and uh, yeah, it's been, I don't know what you asked, but I'm just ranting here. <laughs> I love it, dude. You're just jumping right into it. I love it. Yeah. No, but, but it's it's been, you know, it's uh, it's it's a great journey because it's, I've been collecting things throughout my whole career. I've, I've learned the skill of cinematography, editing, oh, writing, right. and all this stuff. So I said, you know, by when I get old enough, I'm going to do my own shit. Yeah. So what, I, what I'm doing, I, I set up a little company called the Viking Brothers. It has nothing to do with white supremacy or nothing. It's <laughs> just called the Viking Brothers because my producer – Two producers are from Sweden too, and they live out here. Oh, cool! Very cool. And we have Viking sisters too, and they are, you know, <laughs> they are writing some more more erotic stuff. But <laughs> but then, you know, I said I collected a lot of things. It's like you know, it's like dough. If it don't, if it doesn't rise, you know, don't don't, don't put them in the oven. But some of my ideas and some of the notes I had, I collected over the years and. I said by the end, my, my last 25% of career, mm-hmm. I'm going to pay tribute to my own ideas and the things I really like. That's awesome, man. So what I've been doing the last five years is to put together something called the Swedish Dicks. Mm-hmm. It's a half-hour show that's been on Amazon, and it's on Netflix in the world. So it's rolling. We have done two Two seasons, and we're waiting to do the third until we get the green light. And I've done something called the Mystery of the Viking Runestone up in Minnesota. Uh, yeah, I saw, the, of it. I saw the trailer. Yeah. For, I saw the trailer for that. I haven't seen that yet. That looks cool. Yes, we're waiting also because it's because of COVID. We can't shoot because uh, they, you know, we can't shoot. We all both we set for a third season, and then I've been writing a lot of like. Features. I want to do features. I want to direct. You know, at least five, six movies before I yeah. go up and meet meet the you know <laughs> Pete, Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. When I, you know, I can really make out with Tinkerbell for. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> you- it was my dream when I was six years old and saw Tinkerbell. That was my first love interest. You know, <laughs> sex, sex object. So now we're in the process. We're hooked up with European financiers and movie companies in Europe because it's impossible out here. It takes forever, and people oh, are so tell in, me about in, incompetent in in this beautiful city I call Hollywood. But oh. there's a lot of incompetent people, and producers these days are not the producers that I grew up with in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, at least at least the producers read the script and they had a heart in it. Now it's all. I, I don't know. They never read a script. They just say, I want more of him, less of her, and more of him, and less of him, and more yeah. of her. Yeah. And did you ever read a script? No, no. <laughs> we can't have more of her. She's dead already. You know, she got <laughs> killed in the last scene. Oh, shit. Can we resuscitate her? No, it's not in the script you did. So uh, I, I'm working with European entities and streaming services and companies and joint ventures with them yeah. to raise money to do my movies. And unfortunately, I have to shoot them abroad. I yeah. can't shoot them here because it's too expensive. Yeah. So I, so I have to do the same thing as all the studios are doing. They go into Lithuania and not Ukraine these days, but other other countries in the Eastern Europe hemisphere. 
and they shoot the movies over there. So we'll see. Yeah, we're just negotiating two movies now with stars attached, and they say yes, I want to do this. When mm, I don't know, I have some other offers. So <laughs> it's it's like it always is, you know. And then I get pissed, and I say, if you don't if you don't say, you know, time's late. I am screwed too, you know. Of course, because I have, I have other things to do. I have offers to do movies I want to do. I don't want to turn things down just because you can't make up your mind. Oh, it drives me crazy too, man. I'm in the same boat because yeah. we're we're yeah. pitching films all the time, and it's 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 insane to me because we talked off air about this. Like I'm originally from the East Coast, and so the the speed at which we work back on the East Coast. You know, by like 10 o'clock in the morning, I've got 39 things done on my to-do mm-hmm. list. I come out here and like people celebrate getting two things done on their to-do list. And I'm like, yeah, how the yeah. fuck do you guys work at the speed? It's so slow yeah. out here with everything. No, and, You know, I had a fantastic script, uh, which I just have the, uh, the work title is Heaven. Uh-huh. And uh, it's all about a guy who, who moves away from his home village, become a really famous composer and uh, uh, conductor. And he moves away, you know, from from the U.S., from a smaller village because it's bullied and stuff. And he moves away and becomes really, really famous. And then at one point when he's like 45, mm-hmm. he, he breaks down, you know, because of drinking too much, working too much, touring the world. And his heart gives up and he almost dies. Oh, man. And, and he goes back to his home village and he meets the people sort of that bullied him and no one recognized him. They recognize him under a new name because he had a new name, you know, like Alice Cooper. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, have a, I have a stage name and uh, alias. Right. And, right. Then, and then, you know, he become finally friends and he starts to choir you know, with just local people to give them something, you know, in this little little hole of depression. Yeah. And people start joining his choir and they get enlightened. And and all of a sudden when people have said, yeah, it's a really great script, but, you know, who wants to hear people sing and dance, you know, and uh, people uh. getting some spirituality through through singing together. It's a cool thing, you know. But now, Coda gets an oscar yeah yes and who's getting who's getting phone calls mr peter <laughs> hey didn't you have a movie about some really like odd people who can't really hear one she can't really hear but she sings pitch perfect and stuff yeah yeah that's my work title heaven <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we're really interested you you see because it's a big market for movies with music and you know and to get spirituality out of out of singing and joy, you know, and break the depression. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying this for four years yeah, now. I had this script for at least three, three and a half years. Of course, of course, yeah. that's the game. That's the game. They see something yeah. and they all chase it like flies, and then they yeah. they eat it and they overproduce it. And the next thing you know, they're like, "Where do we go next? What do we eat yeah. next?" You know? Yeah, it's crazy. Do you have some? Do you have something more like euphoria, close to euphoria? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to hear that again. <laughs> I do. I do. I do horror movie stuff, and we went out to pitch uh, right the the week that Hereditary came out, and I 
I would just grit my teeth every time I went into a meeting. You know, did you see that movie Hereditary? Yeah, I saw that movie fucking Hereditary. Yeah, wouldn't it be great if this was more like Hereditary? Fuck you. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You know what kind of, it's going to take a year and change to make this fucking movie. And by the time it comes out, Hereditary will be long gone at that point. You know, it's just. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So slow. It's hard. That's, that's why I gave, I came up with this plan like five, six years ago. Uh Uh-huh. Let's let's go to streaming services in Europe because they're going to grow. They're going to fight Netflix and HBO. And oh, smart! You know, you know, it's kind of crazy in this country. I I must say I love this country. I'm proud citizen, like being a first generation out here. Mm-hmm. It's you know I love this country, even if all the craziness is going on now. I just see there's a positive way into the future. Yeah, but 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 here you know to pitch stuff and. And you get to Joe at Paramount saying, I really love this script, you know. Mm-hmm. I really, I, I'm going to take it under my wings. And I'm going to fight for this. Um, and then, you know, you call two weeks later, Joe, what happened? No, Joe is not here. He works oh. for Sony now. Yes. yes. Joe, did you, did you take the script with you to Sony? No, no, it's a Paramount thing. I can't just take it. Who's representing the script now? At Paramount, oh. uh, I I don't know. Maybe it's Barbara. I think Barbara. Okay, Barbara. Did you did you ever read the script? You know, the bucket and my me, the bucket and me. <laughs> yes. No, I never heard of it. I'm gonna ask my assistant. You know, and then it all fades away and it goes yeah. down the sewer and it's it's gone. It's a slow. You, it's a slow fade too. It's a very slow death where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, we'll call you back, and then it's like a week and three yeah. weeks and four weeks, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. fuck you, <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, totally. yeah, you have to write a horror movie with me in the center. That's all. Yeah. Me being being an Uber driver and just taking people to a horrific place. I mean, you know, that's that's a very simple story. You yeah. know, I can be the bad guy and I can chop them up. I I'm in. You know. yeah, I'm in if you want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah in. Let's get together and, and write something. You know? Dude, and let's I am do totally it. in. I am totally in. Um, and let's do it ourselves. And you all always have to write. This is my formula. Very contained, small cast. Yep. Very intriguing. Keep the costs down and make the movie, you know, for one and a half million dollars, two million, yep. and get the money from Europe and just say, no, I don't want to go and wait out here for two years yeah. for, for a no. I know I get a no. So, but then if you do something with European financiers, which a lot of people do here in the US, they go abroad to yes. find money. Yeah, yeah. And, and then if you have something that is, let's say, just a little successful, then the door is open. Yeah. What do you want to do next, Peter? <laughs> yeah, I, I want to do that movie, The Bucket and I, you know, about a bucket and me sitting and eat, eating together for two hours and then go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really cool. He can win the, he's going to win the prize in Venice, you know, and can. Yeah. 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 Yes, only two characters, me and a talking <laughs> talking bucket. <laughs> it's very true. But, but Keanu Reeves is doing the bucket voice. Wow. <laughs> 
<laughs> you have piano? Yeah, he's doing the bucket. Just voiceover, you know, but he's ne never really on stage, not on, on the screen. No, 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 just the name, man. Yeah, yeah, you can get him to record it from his house, and then you have yeah. John Wick. You have a John Wick bucket. Then you're yeah, good. Yeah. You're good. Yeah, it's, it's funny, but you'll get there. You'll yeah. get there. Working it, man. I think the, the move is just a – it's hard – uh, not to get discouraged, but you just have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and, and know that like every fucking, yeah. every minute of the day, it's bipolar, dude. Like I, 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 was, <laughs> I was, I was joking about it recently. I had, I had my, we were pitching one movie and I had my management call me on the phone and they, they get on, I get on the phone and it's just applause and everybody's clapping clapping and they're like wow you've done it you've done it and i'm like what the fuck have i done you know they're like wow you've done it like you've sold it it's gonna happen it's gonna it's gonna happen and i'm like okay wow really they go yeah it's gonna happen i'm like all right yeah all right great all right cool we'll call you back and they call me back four hours later go no it's not happening <laughs> it's just like what the fuck yeah, yeah. no no it's no, like no, up no, and no. down up and down up and down um, it's also because people are, are so afraid and, and during the COVID, but it started early, but people, people are like producers and people who can take a decision. They're so afraid of losing their jobs yeah, be, yeah. because they are sitting on mansions in the hills and they have a mistress or a, or a <laughs> mother, yeah. you know, and they have two Teslas they're paying off. It's, it's just, they, they can't afford to lose a job. Yeah. So no one is willing to take a decision. I mean, when you're on set with producers and director is like in, not capable of making a good decision, I usually turn to the producer. Shouldn't we do the scene like this that I, I'm not in the scene because I can't hear overhear this thing? Uh -huh. should, should, you know, I should come in much later, you know, like a surprise <laughs> because otherwise it doesn't make sense if I hear all this shit they're talking about because I say what's going on guys yeah yeah and, and the producer says well I, I, I don't know but <laughs> don't you, you you have an opinion about the scene or the script why are you sitting here uh -huh. uh, uh -huh. yeah I'm, I'm mostly looking at the monitor uh-huh and what do you yeah and drinking coffee and have some crackers and then I'm on a keto diet too so I can't have some food you know <laughs> So, but I, I like what are you doing? I'm, I'm not asking about that. This scene, the director is in you know, the John now. Yep. And he doesn't know what he's doing. And we, the actors, think it's very strange that I am in the scene overhearing everything they say. And then I say, what's up, guys? Right, right. It's totally and, they, and they tell me the story again. It's like redundant. Yeah, no, it's fucking with you. No, yeah, no, no, I don't think it's redundant. It's kind of great to have you there in the scene. And then it repeats itself. Okay, okay. <laughs> so no one dares really to take a decision because everybody's so afraid of losing their jobs because they invested so much in their fucking Teslas and, 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 yeah. and man mansions in the hill. So no one is allowed to take a decision. It's sort of the boss of the company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, I like, <clears throat> so the one thing that, cause I told you that I moved out here right before COVID and yeah. I, ca I came out here because I have two projects in development. I've got one over at Scott free and then I've got another one uh, with uh, these other horror producers. And 
uh, I got lost in two years of development, which is like you're going back and forth and you're doing phone conversations and people are just like beating the life out of ideas and you just sort of run through this whole thing. And, and I just sort of got lost. I got lost for a little while going, is this what my fucking life is now? Like how I feel so far away from like working with actors and being next to a camera and being in the edit room. I feel so distant from it. And uh, it'll, it'll come again. It'll come again. It's just keep pounding the door, and when it finally opens, you know, then it's the red carpet. Yeah, do well, whatever you do, whatever you want. It's like it's well, it's strange, but in the meantime, I mean, we can meet in person. I'm I'm going to wait to shoot, but but I'm here in June. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we can meet up and just see, you know, maybe there's some project that, that would fit into our slate or we can Dude, help hell you. Dude, yeah. hell yeah, hell because, yeah. Because you can always, unfortunately, but there's places in the U.S. you can shoot and there's your rules and regulations you can, if you have a small budget. Yep. <clears throat> or to find people in Europe to back you. Oh, see. It's... Whatever it takes, you know, and if, if the more creative the people are and the more control that we have over the the set, because my, my philosophy as a director has always been, it's about the experience making the movie. And of course, I, yeah. I, I want it to be a great film, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good the fucking movie is. And if I'm doing it just for it to be a great film, most people are watching that shit on their phones now these days anyway, so I'm not going to get any... <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get anything yeah. out of that. So it really no. is the experience and who you're working with, and 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 you know the deal. Like when you're finding something on set, and for some reason, like everybody's firing at the right moment, and then you just sort of look, and everybody goes, "Oh, I have this idea. I have this idea." And then you start to make something. You go, "This thing came out of nothing. Like this thing is so beautiful, and it came from nowhere. Like that. Yeah. That yeah. that is the struggle. It's like." We're sorting our way through these producers that are sitting at the monitor eating, drinking their cappuccinos and sort of trying to get up to the front of the, of the, of the, uh, of the war line past the cinematographer. And then that little space where you're able yeah. to make those things, man. That's well, but, but you started shooting your movies up in, up in, uh, in Boston or did you yes. mean and then, yes. and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so how did you finance your movies up in Boston then? So we did a bit of a bit of everything. We did some crowdfunding. Yeah. We did some of that. Um, I did some self financing for pieces. Like we did. I don't know if I've sent. You, I have to send you some of my stuff. I did. And this. Yeah. And yeah. The, the audience has heard this, but who cares? Sit with it, guys. Um, I did. I did a movie called Twelve Kilometers, which was about the Russian drill team in the 1980s that dug the deepest hole known to man, and they. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they dredged yeah, something yeah. up, and I did a, a proof of concept. So I did a thirty minute proof of concept for that, um, and uh, shot that whole thing outside of Boston. We did period everything, um, and I shot it in Russian. I don't speak Russian, so I did the entire movie in a language I don't speak, and it was such a fun fucking like I miss that. That's like the yeah, the yeah, ultimate, yeah. and that's where we're trying to get back to. That's where I'm trying to get back to here on the on the West coast is just into that creation mode. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know? But at least you have a reel to show people and stuff. I mean, you have yeah. an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it, it helps. It, it's it's, it's going to happen. I mean, the whole, I mean, what is Hollywood today? Is people going up slapping his Johnny Depp sitting in a fucking courtroom in oh my God. West, oh my West Virginia God. and it's all falling apart. And uh, what's his name? Will Smith get get the best Oscar for a, for a movie that's horrible. 
I mean, I don't know what it's like a caricature he's doing there. Guy, girls, come on, it's harder. You know, it's like it's like a Monty Python movie for me. You know, yeah, yeah. I I like him. I worked with him, but I think the Scientology has made him a little bit strange. You know, uh, but, you know, I've heard, I've heard that it does that. I've heard that it definitely has. Yeah, and, and and I mean. That movie, I, I saw it because, you know, I, I think the Serena sisters, I mean, it's, it's what they've done. It's like a Tiger Woods story. But, yeah. but, I mean, the way it was created is like you don't have to overact or walk funny. And, <laughs> and that gets the best Oscar for acting. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a decent actor. But, I- I you think, win an Oscar there? It's I know, like I know. Bad Boys is okay. I mean, but this is like, what? And I saw the movie before the Oscars, you know. Yeah. And then, and then, but today Hollywood is like, yeah, it's great. Sue me and I sue you. Fuck you, you know. I kick you in the balls or I hit you. <laughs> and poor Chris Rock, who is really, I worked with him too. And I, you know, I even have his phone number. I text him occasionally. I get an answer. Yeah, yeah. Who is who the fuck is this? It's Peter, the Swedish guy. Oh, okay. What do you want? I just <laughs> want to say hello. You know, <laughs> weird things going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, he's he's a nice, very funny, great guy. Just taking that hit, I thought it was a prank. But uh, yeah, no, it was crazy how he like gracefully he just sort of transitioned. <laughs> yeah. But Hollywood today, it's it isn't about good writing it isn't about good movies it isn't really about great things it isn't about producers who know scripts managers they really fight for their clients yeah to get a job you have a manager who has to make 10 percent too to pay off his two teslas and the tesla to his (laughs) granddaughter and, you know, they have to have their 10% to pay the mistress and the wife, you know, mm-hmm. and the wine boxes or the wine from Bristol Farms. Sure. So it's, sure. It's, it's like it's, it goes, it's like a maze because no one dares to do anything. Instead of, you know, if as an actor, if you have an agent out here, I fired all my reps. But if you have a somebody out here you have your 25 clients you promote the one who gives the best revenue you never promote the talent that you think is talented enough for a part you promote the one who makes the best revenue yeah no it makes sense i mean even even, you know uh, because i i have my agents in management for directing and it's the guys are great they're nice dudes but you have to be consistently fueling their interest so you're consistently they're always like what else do you have? What else do you have? What else? It's yeah. like, what am I a fucking factory? Like, what else do you have? What else is coming? And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. all right, all right. Yeah, you know, at the same time, we're trashing the industry, and it it is, but it is a wonderful place to be. I must say, Hollywood is a nice place to be, and uh, it it is very special to walk around in the studios and some of the streets around where where all the great people. I I live down here in West Hollywood, and next to me, you know, is Chaplin's old little 
chateau he built for his mother and so his brother. Cool. Yes. And he and he walked over the meadows and the avocado grove to his thing on La Brea, his studio on La Brea. Yeah. And I walked by the house more, more or less every day. It's like, wow, this was Chaplin. You walked the same streets here as I did. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. I, like, I, I love going to, uh, I go to test screenings all the time over on Warner Brothers lot. And I love, yeah. I love that yeah. studio. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and, you know, all, all the people that really come here from all over the world, you know, you meet, you meet people from all over the world here and they all have the same kind of dream, Yeah, you know, just to work here, but it slightly changes now. You can actually work out of, you can't, where I, where I was born, you can't actually work out of Sweden and produce things for Netflix, mm-hmm. HBO, you know, and Disney, you don't, you don't have to work with the big studios and they falling apart. That's why everybody, even CNN tried to open up plus, you know, I'm going to go streaming too. It's too <laughs> late. You should have done it. Paramount. You should have done it 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, no, it's too, compli- too complicated, too complicated. I talk to people like, why don't you go streaming? Why don't you go like Netflix did? Why don't you? Why don't you? Uh, it's too complicated. No, it's a fucking hard drive. Yeah. It's, you can get it on one hard drive, you know, all your movies <laughs> and stream them. Yeah. But, you know, it's too slow. They have to think and think. And now everybody's streaming. So the big studios are falling apart, and which is a good sign, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it'd be interesting to see. And I don't want to be too pessimistic because, you know, whatever. But I think that uh, I think the, the big advantage, like you were saying, is that we can do all this content. We can make this stuff and we can get access to streamers and, and all these different outlets. And since there's yeah. so many different streamers out there, there's such a hunger for content right now. You just have to, like, break through whatever social barriers exist right now on at least on the type of movies that people want to get made because they think they're going to be hot. So like, yeah, I mean, even, even like discovery plus or whatever the name, they open up a Scandinavian office now and they're going to do Scandinavian content. Oh, smart. Mm-hmm. And they, and they're going to do also American content suitable for the American audience, but place it, you know, in Europe, in Northern Europe. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, because it's also nice for an American audience to see other places in the world, you know, to see to see Northern Finland maybe, or you know, something going on in Northern Finland, yeah, or on I- Iceland. You know, it's 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 exotic, and it's it's not the same old Toronto, New York. You know, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. There was a period of time where I could I could just see like opening shot I'd be like this was shot in Vancouver like every yeah. time you look at it you go, <laughs> we all we all see that yeah we all, yeah okay they forgot one sign yeah they forgot yeah. one sign there it is there it is it <laughs> smells like Vancouver it hasn't even started yet yeah yeah um, no it's well you, no you, but it's 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 great I'm in a position now where you know I'm getting much older but still. The brain is still like 18 and hungry and very curious. And I, I have the ability to write pretty good scripts. And I get to, from nice. the backing, the backing financiers and the people in Europe I have, they gave me thumbs up on, on many scripts. And we're just trying to find financiers. And they say, if you get a good actor, and I contact my friends and they say, yeah, I want this is a great script. I want to do it. I have some objections to some things here. Sure, sure. So, so you know, no, change it. You know, it's not, 
not written in stone. It's oh, a script. It's it a is, script that it, it you changes, know, that it, we have to work on together and make the best out of it. Yeah, it changes. It changes all the way into the edit room. I mean, you're you're changing a movie all the way until you're done with it. So yeah. It so the, I mean, there's so many different ways now, and uh, I think it is. You know, I don't know if you remember the revolution with the VCR cameras that came with sex lies and videotapes. Yes. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, everybody was doing movies for $300,000, $400,000. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and some great movies came out of it. And it started the whole independent movement, which mm-hmm. was so good. And it's happening again, even if... Even if all the streaming services are getting very greedy too and very strange, and I yeah. think Netflix, Netflix have gone a very strange middle of the road. Yeah, thing, thing. Yeah. It's like their programming has become. Mm, I'll say it. Their programming has become kind of trashy lately. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I used to watch Netflix and stuff, but I, I, I never. You know, I still pay. I was one of the first. You know, it's funny. You get an email from them occasionally. You being one of the first million, you know, one of the first million in the U.S. to sign up for the streaming service of Netflix. That's why you <laughs> only have to pay four ninety nine. Yeah, <laughs> and we have to raise it to five ninety nine. But for all other customers, it's going to be six ninety nine. Yeah, I got mm. that. I got that too. Now I get those. You got that too, or you among the two first million or something. And now, <laughs> yeah, now it's like up in fourteen ninety nine. But the rest are paying fifteen ninety nine. Oh, Aren't great. you a lucky guy? Right. Aren't so, ex- so yeah. exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, man. But, it's crazy. Yeah. But they're trying to find, they also have, you know, HBO, yep. Netflix. They have big companies in Europe. They are said, I mean, they're shooting a lot in Europe, only mm. for Europe. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they're making, making good money. And I mean, they're spending a lot of money too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're smart about it though. Yeah, but sometimes they're very, very, you know, like, yeah, we're going to put it up, but uh, we love this. We love your script, Mike. We really love it. But, you know, (laughs) if you can fund it, we promise we put it up on Netflix for three years and you're going to have 5% of the revenues, you know. (laughs) 5% of the revenues, you don't – yeah, because we can see how many people are watching, you know. Sure, of course. And you did you disclose that to me every three months? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you you have that on one hand where they are really scumbags, where you say, Okay, mm-hmm. I take fucking on my credit card and whatever, one million dollars, I do this. One yeah. million dollars. It's gonna go up on Netflix for three years and on the back end, you know. Yeah. If this ticks, it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then you know, it's up there, and you, you're never going to see a back end. And it's, they started with that kind of formula, you know, and it's, it's, it's not going to work, really. They're going to lose interest from investors and from yeah. movie makers. Eventually, over. yeah, it'll burn itself out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And they have to go back to the old formula. We have to – if we put some money into this mm-hmm. – we also have an interest, you know, in it. And some of the streaming services have, have gotten hold of some good producers and some good people that are really into, but some of them don't read scripts, you know. They are very corporate 
but yeah. but some do read scripts. The one I've been working with, there are some people that really do read the scripts and come with really intelligent notes. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's more a European way of looking at characters and the situation the characters are in than just looking for boom, boom, bang, bang. You know, blame, blame, cool, shoot them up things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it's a really you're right. It's a very hard balance because we. We just went through this with one of our scripts and we we did like, you know, of course, like 12 rewrites. So over the course of like multiple notes and all sorts of folks and the, you, you actually see sort of the progression of it where it starts in sort of a, a character driven or like idea driven or technique driven sort of origin. And then it sort of goes through this process, goes through this process of just being, it's like pizza dough where they stretch it out a hundred different ways. Yeah, it's like yeah. you know what? What would it be like if the character you know had a gun? Or what would it be like if this you know? And then you're like, oh, okay. What if it would? Be, what if we take him and make him a her? And then, and you're just like, okay, where the fuck are we? And you sort of run through this whole gamut. And then you know, yeah. for me, I try at the end of it. I'm always trying to come back to the or, the origin of it, even. It, and I, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna be a total shit talker here. Like I've gotten really great notes before. I've gotten great notes from producers that we've worked with and, and people that because when I came here I had such a bad attitude being an East Coaster and I'm like, okay, we're going to Hollywood and I'm gonna deal with all the Hollywood. And and when I showed up, there were some producers that I worked with, I was like, Holy fuck, these are good notes. I didn't even think about that with this character. So yeah, yeah. You can get it out here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're hard to find and you're lucky when you find one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I but I also understand it's it's the weird nature and it's funny how this conversation has consistently come up with all my my guests over the past 6 months. It's I think everybody's just feeling fucking like like beaten down because we went through COVID, we went through you're not allowed to do shit. Maybe you're allowed to do shit. No, no, it's back. You're not allowed to do shit again. And then just sort of like the social beatdown that we've had on like who's canceled, who's not canceled, like what's happening and how our entire social structure has been changing. And now we're sort of trying to go back to making movies again and we're trying to get projects greenlit and stuff made. And there's all these new filters that we're putting our stuff through that I think everybody's just a little tired. <laughs> It's interesting. It's an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah, everybody's in debt. Yeah. But, but but also it's like I had I had a you know very good suggestion because the script I was talking about the singer and the conductor earlier. Yeah. And I had like during COVID, you know, I had some interest and 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 actually really good interest from from to somebody who said I'm ready to invest and in my company, but because I'm an African American, I would like to have the cast, the guy to be African American. And I said, but I can't direct and write for African American. I, you know, it would, I, I, I feel very strange. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, then I have to sell you my script and then I have to give it away and get, $35,000 for it. And yep. I, I, I don't think I, I'm no disrespect, sir. I, I'm glad you like the scripts and you would like to go that way, but I, I want to direct and I want to be there on set. Sure. If I don't direct, I'm going to have somebody, I'm going to tell them how I want this thing to be performed. And I, I think it, I would 
feel very uncomfortable being the director. I, I feel then we have to find a good African-American director. There's a lot of them. Sure, sure. But 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 it's like I'm, I'm writing about the people I know and the things I've been through in life. Yeah. And, and sort of my demons and my crazy stuff and my horror. And it's no disrespect to another, you know, citizens of the United States. But I feel very strange when white guys are sitting writing, you know, soap operas for African-Americans or for Hispanics. Yeah. It's, 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 it's weird. But I have a manager I went back to the, that I started with in the, in the 90s when I got to New York in the end of the 80s. And I have, I still have her. She's like an old kind of, like one of a kind of the old <laughs> manager that really cares for her 12 clients. Oh, and if so cool. somebody can't, can't pay the rent, she's there and help them out. And, you know, no one looks like me. And she has people from all over the world she's representing. And... Uh, Oh, the hell, I forgot what I was talking about. But it's. <laughs> I get, I, so, I'm talking a lot of good things with her I know. about her. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she's, the old, she's the old school kind of management. I, dude, that's yeah, what but, you want. But, but it's, it's just also when, I, when, when sometimes she gets like a request if I'm available for things and stuff, and it says, on the email underneath, you know, we have we want to see if Peter is interested to be part of this project, and it's a part for him. We're thinking about, you know, yeah, yeah. if it's if it's Eastern European, say no. But you know, it's a last the last paragraph is like like a bible. We disclose we're open. You know, this can be performed with any race. We don't judge. We don't. And why do they ask me if right. everybody, you know, right. it has this big paragraph coming from all the studios that we don't ask Peter necessarily if he's available. We're not offering the part. We're just asking if he's available because this right. part can be played by any ethnicity and we will not be, we're inclusive and we're open about our, our way of casting a movie. We're asking, we're asking this client because he would be good for this, blah, 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 sure, blah, blah, blah. Sure. So it's like, and it comes in the email and I'm stunned. Like you have to write that all today in an email to BPC and yeah. it's 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 very it's kind of sad. Just just start making movies again. So it's time for us to take a minute, take a break, and uh, check in with our sponsors. But before you decide to skip ahead, um, don't. Uh, and you know what? I don't think there are many people that do because most folks write to me and say, "Hey, we really enjoyed your sponsor reads." Um, which is cool. I try to find sponsors for this show that uh, mean something to me, uh, people that uh, actually make things that I use consistently. Um, and the two big sponsors on today's episode um, are, I use them every day. I just used it all this morning. Our first sponsor is Puget Systems. I've been on the computer all morning doing my storyboard work. I was also at the same time editing a brand new uh, piece I don't know if it'll be out by the time this episode comes out, but Gina just shot and directed something for Entertainment Weekly. I'm going to say it here. I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I'm going to. Um, and uh, she shot that piece on our Black Magic Cinema 6K Pro camera, which 
we're also sponsored by. Um, and uh, she also used her crazy mix of dad cams and all sorts of mixed formats, which always makes it an interesting edit for me in post because I'm jumping different formats. I have to have timelines that have all sorts of different codecs that run in them, everything from 6K all the way down to like 480p. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Um, and what I love about my Puget system is that it never gives me a hard time. Um, I'm able to run everything in a Premiere Pro timeline without any issues. Um, I love the amazing range that my Blackmagic RAW files give me uh, when I shoot that stuff. And it integrates seamlessly into Premiere and I'm able to do all of my uh, color grading and everything within Premiere. Um, and I'm, I'm able to run everything real time on my Puget system. Uh, what's really interesting about content creation these days, and I'm sure that you guys and girls have seen this, is that you're not just shooting 1080 footage, you're not just shooting wide stuff uh, for television, you're also shooting like Instagram stories, you're shooting uh, like square footage, different timelines for like reversed aspect ratio. So instead of 1920 by 1080, it's 1080 by 1920 for like Instagram story stuff. It's all over the place. And what I love about my Puget system is that I never have to wait on anything, on anything. I'm doing all of my video editing on my Puget. I'm doing all of my sound uh, processing, my podcast editing on Puget. Um, it is the place that I go every day. Um, and also, you know, combined in this whole ad read are friends over at Jambox, jambox.io. Let me do that again, jambox.io. Wow, get your shit together, Mike. Um, they're an amazing music licensing website. They're a site that I found uh, earlier this year, and it really changed the dimension and the scope of our work, of our like corporate work, big time. Because like many of you, whenever we get a budget from clients, they're never giving us a good amount for post-production, right? How many days do you have to give away for free? How many times do you have to lower your editing rate just to be able to get the entire gig? You know what I'm talking about. Um, but at the same token, uh, there's never money put aside for music. It's the last thing anybody thinks about. And it drives me absolutely insane because we have great visuals, great blocking, great acting, uh, great direction, pat on my back. Um, but at the end of the day, if I'm going to put some trashy song underneath it, it just ruins absolutely everything. Um, <clears throat> and so with Jambox, I was blown away at the quality of music that they have. Their stuff belongs on my Spotify queue. You know what I mean? And this is from a music licensing website. And I was asking them because I've had the owner of Jambox on the show. And I said, how the hell have you guys done this differently? Most uh, stock websites just have like the B or C or D side tracks from artists that are just like, look, I don't want to release this on my album, but hell, I'll just try to sell it on a stock thing, right? That's usually what we're sorting through. Music that just doesn't have emotional depth or context, right? Well, I asked him, I said, how the, how the fuck are you guys doing this? And he goes, well, we run it like a record label. We actually pay the artists, we sign artists, we actually put together albums or EPs um, that we feel uh, the industry is looking for right now. And it helps that these guys have had a background in years and years and years of experience of creating music and adapting music for trailers. Um, they did all the music for Michael Bay's recent ambulance trailer. Uh, so these guys know what you need in the edit room. And what I love about Jambox is that they give you the options for all of that, whether it's stems, whether it's sound effects, 
Um, and it's all at a crazy affordable price. This is one of those sponsors that we have on the show. And I say this every time I do a read for them. And I believe this. If you sign up with Jambox, it will change your work today. It will change the way you plan your work. It will cha change the way your clients respond to your work. I get a lot of credit for my editing, but the credit really should go to the music. I'm telling you right now. Head on over to Jambox now. Check it out. They have great subscription plans, uh, $9.99 a month for the unlimited creator plan where if you're someone that does podcasts, if you're someone that does YouTube content, student work, uh, social media content, and you are tired of having the songs flagged when you go to post them on YouTube, um, sign up for their $9.99 free trial. Um, you, can, you get a 30-day free trial. And through the end of this month, which is almost up, I think April's going to be the end of it, uh, you also get a percentage off if you use the promo code ILWP. I think it's 20%. Don't quote me on that. I should have it in front of me, but I think it's 20% off. Um, they also have a great commercial plan for $19.99 a month if you're someone creating commercials. Uh, we use this plan for the work that we've done for GQ, for EW, um, all these recent posts that you've seen. Like I said, I get a lot of credit for it, but it's really because I have access to this great library of sounds at the price point that the client has given me, right? There's great plans here. And if you guys don't want to do a subscription, you could also do single song licensing. Head on over to jambox.io. And while I sort of group all these ad reads together, also head on over to pugetsystems.com. If you're going to build yourself a new computer, if you need a new edit system, if you're tired of the pinwheel of death, right? then head on over there and check out their options. Um, they also do consultations for people that are outside the country uh, because I don't think Puget is shipping internationally, but they will walk you through how to build your own Puget system. And the thing that's great about these guys is that they're benchmark testing everything. I don't know if you follow them on Instagram, um, but I've been following my buddy, Eric. He has been over, right now I'm recording this on the 26th. He's been in a, at NAB this year and uh, they've done some really cool virtual studio stuff uh, with uh, View Network. Um, I'm looking at their setup right now. They have like a, is that a Lamborghini in front of a giant LCD screen? I know their, their computers are running all of that. That's fucking cool. And they've also been working with Carter Digital. A lot of you guys know who Carter Digital is. Um, so these guys are deep, embedded deep, and I'm proud to say that I'm the first guy that they're working with in this industry. Um, and I love them and I'm so excited. Eric just texted me this morning. He goes, you have to be here and be with us next year. <laughs> I guess there's some stuff going down. So I'm excited. Um, so definitely check them out. And as I said earlier, we're also sponsored by black magic. So the amazing, uh, cinema 6k pro camera. I love it so much. We've been using it like crazy. Uh, I love all the options that are out there. Uh, black magic is a great, great website. If you are an up and coming cinematographer. I've had a lot of people ask me this week and you saw me reposting them on my Instagram account. What camera am I using? And it turns out that everybody's using a Blackmagic these days. They're incredibly affordable and what you're getting out of the rig can be put on the big screen, can be put up against any sort of other cinema camera that you're renting for your large project. That's why I got it. I needed a really good B-roll camera. Um, and something that I can just literally throw over my shoulder and go shoot a last minute project with. Um, and I love it. It's really great. We've had really cool looking stuff come out recently on it. Um, so 
Yeah, this sort of a jumble of all of our, our, our sponsors in one read. It's pretty good. Uh, it, also, if you guys like the show, uh, maybe there's a lot of new listeners because we have Peter on the episode, and I know that's going to pull in some new listeners, new fans. Uh, and you want to go check out our other actor episodes. And when you look at the queue on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you're like, wow, these guys are almost at 200 episodes. Do I start at the beginning? Yeah, you might want to. But you can also go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There I've curated the episodes by subject material. So if you want to just listen to the actor episodes, the director's episodes, if you want to listen to the chef's episodes, the food episodes. By the way, I have a lot more really great food episodes coming. The reason why I've been holding out on it is that I've got a few new sponsors signing on. So I've been trying to time it all out correctly so that the sponsors can be attached to the new food episodes. But we're really pushing in that direction too. So it's going to be... I don't want to say 50-50 food and 50-50 filmmaking, but it'll be pretty close, you know? And I've got some really cool guests coming on about that too. So anyway, like I said, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com and check it out. All right, let's get back to talking with a legend, shall we? To your point that you were making before, if I'm going to do a movie with any sort of character in it, whether it's, you know, a white guy or if it's a woman or if it's a fucking alien, you know, like I have to feel like it's coming from uh, a place of curiosity on my part. Like I have to be curious about something. And this comes from my years of documentary work of just sort of like being, trying to find the thing that fascinates me about a human being. And usually it's an obsession, like a human, yeah. most humans have an obsession for something. And that's usually the starting point. That's the spark for me that I'm like, okay, so this person's obsession is what runs their life. So I'm fascinated by this. And and then it doesn't make a difference. The thing that I get, and I'm, I'm not the only one that is this way. I think the, the thing that is, is challenging is a, is a correct word. The thing that is challenging about what's happening currently is that you feel like a lot of this is just being crowbarred in and it's just being crowbarred in for the sake of, of whatever, you know, head white guy lives behind the gate somewhere is like, look, I'm inclusive. Look at all the inclusive things that I do. And you're like, are you really though? You're still the same guy. Like you fired your entire staff and peppered it with some new faces, but you're still like the not really inclusive person behind that gate up there. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and yeah, so I'll like when you get those notes on stuff and people are like, Hey, you know, do we, should we swap this? I go, well, yeah, I don't mind swapping this. If you, if we can find that curiosity and it should be different, it shouldn't be interchangeable. Like th that's wrong, right? That's just as wrong yeah. as, as being non-inclusive. Like there should be a curiosity, like, all right, if we're going to do this, let's think of it differently and let's see if it still makes sense. And does the whole fucking movie change there? And why are we making this? Are we making this so that you can stand up on stage and cross your arms and go, look how good I am? Or are we making this to actually make a good project and a good film and a story? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, uh, you know, this situation of being just politically correct and everything and people are being afraid of upsetting other people and 
Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's it it is it is very strange. It is very strange, and it also the writing have changed because I come from theater, and you know you do old writers like from Shakespeare, and you do Ibsen and Strindberg, and you do those guys that wrote in a very specific way, and Hollywood started with writers coming from theater mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's very strange also today to read a script i get so annoyed because everybody speaks the same language and i say but the old writers that came from stage they knew that a maid doesn't talk the same way as the mistress of the house right. or the lawyer talks different than the fucking farmhand right and, and the guy you know being homeless or whatever, being the beggar knocking on the door has a different language. I, I say sometimes on set, especially on TV, all these lines are here just to do a scene from A to Z. Yeah. Actually, we can take these lines, throw them up in the air, and then see which one they land on, what character they land on. We can all <laughs> say the lines, you know. Yeah, yeah. We just carry the scene to the end. Yeah. I can't speak like this. I can't talk like this. I, I got to have a different lingo because even if you and I grew up in Boston together yeah. and I had the same kind of accent like you, but if I grew up in a poor family, you're in a rich family, even if we were just four or five blocks away and we went to the same school, maybe, yep. Yep. we all we going to have a different way of using the grammar. Yeah, 100%. You know, we got we, we were different. So it's very important for me when I, when I do a character that I change sort of the language to has he been to school for more than nine years? Or did, did he drop out? You know, yeah. if I'm just an immigrant, like I've done tons of accents, if I'm an immigrant, but it's important to me that he speaks always if you have a grave accent, you know, don't yeah. write it the line, you know, hello, train, leaving station, when? <laughs> if, if I say the line like this, I have to say, listen to people at the United Nations, you know, whatever, you know, they have a perfect grammar. They can have a stupid accent. It sounds funny, uh-huh. but they have good grammar. And I think for an audience, if I don't have a good grammar with a grave accent, I'm going to lose the audience. They're going to look at each other and say, what the fuck did he say? What what was that? And then it's going to take me forever to get them back to listen to me. Yeah. So don't write it like that. I have to have a, hey, what time does the train leave the station? That's, you know. Yeah. Then they understand me. I can't say, hey, train, this station leaving when? Yeah. It doesn't prove that I'm a foreigner. The accent sells it. And I say, go back to look at the movies from the 30s and 40s. Yeah. Yep. Yep. If you're a German, you'll have a little like this. If you're in Egypt, being Cleopatra and Anthony, you have English accents. (laughs) Oh, Cleopatra, what have you done to him? (laughs) <laughs> no, I did nothing of that kind. No, go away. You know, the Egyptians spoke like Oxford English. It's very, very strange. Yes, it is. It's very strange. But you, you had a bunch of American actors even in the 60s, 70s doing Nazis, and uh, they come on and speak like this. You know, it's Jules Brunner being a Nazi. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> you know, and that is the American way of seeing movies without subtitles. You have a little accent. Yep. yep. You have a good grammar, so you don't lose your audience ears. And it could be performed with, you know, Yul Brynner or big stars or Humphrey Bogart, you know, yeah. could do a Russian, Russian. And they would, <laughs> they would follow, follow him. Yeah. And we have lost that thing that this country, they don't like subtitles. The new generations, they're so used to subtitles, but the older. Yeah. But it's just a little twitch of the accent. And even in the U.S., even if it, we both grow up in, in Boston, we can't talk exactly the same. And, you know, the writers that came from theater, they, they were brought up like writing for the character. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and not just for the scene, for the structure. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, the, for the yeah. structure. A young girl talked differently than a than an old maid, you know, and and they they had different way of saying things, you know, with with their language. Today, it's maybe one writer writing twenty characters, yeah. and they all speak they all speak his grammar. Yeah, yeah, which is funny. It's like, it's a weird, it's like a weird twist on like the old Woody Allen stuff where like you'll hear the writer's voice coming out of everybody and you you, yeah, you watch yeah. the piece and you're just like, I don't buy any of this stuff. And I mean, that's always a challenge for me as a director. That's a challenge um, because you're trying to, you obviously you need a script because you need, you need the formula for where you're going to go and you got to work it out on the page, yeah, but then yeah, you yeah. really want to throw all that away when you're trying to work through a scene with actors, because at the end of the day, I want to be surprised. And, and with the amount of prep, that's my job. Cause I prep as a director, you prep, 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 and that's everything. And by the time you get to shooting, you're bored with it. You've already done all the prep. You know all the shots. You know what it's supposed to look like. And you spend most of your time disappointed because you're just like, well, this didn't fucking look the way I wanted it to look. You know what I mean? And so then, so then, so then you get on set. And what, I, what I'm looking for, always looking for, is a surprise from the actors. And I'm looking for that new flame of just going like – Ah, shit. Okay, great. This is new to me. Now I'm in love with this. This is something fresh and this is something great. I, yeah. I, Dude, I learned that when I did that movie in another language. I did that movie in Russian and what it became was a study in silent cinema for me because it was more about sounds, not language. It wasn't about what was being said. It was about sounds. It was about body posture and, and what my goal was, and I think I pulled it off, my goal was to make a film that if you watched it and you didn't read the subtitles, you still knew exactly what was going on just because of yeah, yeah, body yeah. language. And, and in that process and in that editing of it, because I edited the entire film without having it translated, I just listened to the wide shots and I went, okay, here's what it sounds like. And then I cut to it. Um, it was such a wild exercise because I was hyper-focused on the intricacies that the actors were bringing to it. And becoming incredibly fascinated with specific looks and specific things. And it was really nice because even though the dialogue was important to a certain extent, I also knew that I could fucking subtitle whatever the hell I wanted because most of the people who were going to watch it were from the U S anyway. So I could change yeah, yeah, the yeah, dialogue yeah. in the, which I didn't have to do. We did a good job with it, but that was sort of a stress that was taken off the plate and you're just sort of examining 
these patterns and these things that actors are bringing to what are just fucking words on a page. They're, just, they're nothing until you come along and breathe life. And, you know, to give you some credit, this is what I've always loved about your work is that your stuff is in the subtleties for me. It's in like the slight movements and the lip quivers and all this stuff that it doesn't feel like you have a box of tricks. Like you get a lot of TV actors that are like, hey, can you bring me some sunglasses so I can slide those off my face to prove a fucking point? Like it, <laughs> I, it's not, you, you're not doing that. You're doing stuff that just feels like you're naturally in the moment. Like one of my favorite characters is your bit from Constantine and how you played Satan in that. Just all the fucking details in the reversal shots of how your feet were moving and stuff. That those are the bits and pieces that excite me as a director because that's the real shit that I couldn't have fucking prepped. You know what I mean? No, no. And to make a long story short, but I think I got off of the part because Jack Nicholson wanted five million dollars to walk on on a set and to do this, you know, <laughs> the devil. That's and funny. then yeah, I got the offer and. Um, Lawrence, the director, he wanted me, you know, and uh, so I went like a couple of weeks before we we're going to start shooting, like two weeks before we started shooting. Um, I went in to check my costume and fitting, mm -hmm. and they had me in leather pants, big boots, <laughs> a belt with studs, bare chested. And I had just supposed to have a lot of dots on the bare chest because they're going to CGI moving tattoos, oh. moving around, creeping around, and some snakes coming out of my ears and stuff. Uh. And, and I said to, to Francis and I said to De Ventura, who was the, one of the producers there, I said, I can't, I can't do that. It's better you hire a guy who can dress up like the red devil who makes the commercials for the red devil. <laughs> and I said, no one's going to hear anything. No one's going to hear what I'm saying. These are important words. This is the conclusion of his fucking yeah. life and struggle. Yes. yes. And, yes. and I said, I suggest dress me up as Chekhov did. And, you know, when you walk on stage, you, if you have something important to say, as you usually have on stage, don't be dressed up in feathers and boa, you know, and have a lot of crap around mm. you mm -hmm. because people will look, don't show your penis. They will all, always just look at your penis. Yeah. That's big. That's small. He looks fat. He looks thin. <laughs> you know, all that shit's going on. I said, this is so important. Have me coming down from the heavens instead of the ground, which is very stereotypical. Yeah and have some tar on my feet, you know, and have me barefooted in an off-white linen suit. So then cool. the audience will hear every word I have to say. They don't look at CGI things crawling into my eyes and, you know, a snake coming out of my ear, because then take away all the dialogue. Oh yeah, and finally they agreed, and I'm very happy. Like like, like during the pandemic, they had a they had a, I ended up on the first hundred years of filmmaking, the best devil, and I got <laughs> voted the number one. Nice and nice. yes, and but it proves I wouldn't have said that if I never had done stage work, if I hadn't worked with really good directors and with people 
who said the character is more important, you know, yeah. than the scene itself. Because the scene will only work if the character is believable. Yeah, yeah. And because the scene is there already. Mm-hmm. So just make the character believable. And Sam Shepard was a fantastic playwright. And he told me, don't act too much in my plays. Mm. Just p- try to perform the words. Just let the words come out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And that taught me a lot too, because I did some shepherd in Sweden, translate, became very good friends with him. He's gone now. Yeah. He was such a brilliant guy. But it's, it is so important. I had to fight. And f- I thought, well, either they fire me and, and get some other guy. But they finally, you know, because of one producer, Warner Brothers said, no, he's got to be dressed up like that cool outfit, you know. She's been working like a half a year to create this cool. And I said, it's so stereotypical. I look sure. like a fucking, fucking like that Finnish gay <laughs> painter, you know. It's the only thing that's missing is that Freddie Mercury cap, you know. <laughs> like the Clark cap or whatever he had, you know. It's like more studs. <laughs> yeah, have, yeah, have yeah. been a wife beater. But, but finally they agreed. And I think that is the things that actors sometimes have to stand up for their characters and I did and yeah. it paid off yeah. but I I could easily have been fired there have been other projects I've been in I said I'm a refuse I can't I can't you know yeah. I can't yeah yeah well dude I mean but it's the right choice obviously you know when you watch it you feel it and god it's it's so rooted in such in such great history and lessons for you because you you brought this up twice and i i want to dig a little bit into it before we leave are you okay on time are you all right for time right now yeah i think so okay. i think so i'm, ju- I'm just building a pool <laughs> <laughs> so, so you bring up a good point multiple times that you've had quite the education from all these amazing film directors like you've worked with like spielberg you've worked with uh you know like like uh, the cohen brothers and like fucking michael bay you know what i mean and yeah. like you yeah. have such a a kaleidoscope of information like i can only imagine I, I i have friends that work on michael bay's stuff i haven't been able to be on one of his sets but what's it like being on one of his sets that must be absolutely insanity <laughs> for me it's wonderful because michael bay is so prepped yeah he knows what he wants He's a little bit over-enthusiastic, but I've been working with directors that had no enthusiasm for their own fucking project at all. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's enthusiastic. I love when he screams, you know. I love when he's moving around the camera and say, I want to do f- 47 setups before we break for lunch. Yeah. That's a world record. Hurry up, hurry up. Say the line. <laughs> You know, and he's overexcited. Look at this, Peter. Look at this. Wow. Have you seen such a set ever before? Look at this. Wow. This is going to be great. We're going to have a big crane in, you know, in, in Bad Boys 2. We're going to do a really Sergio Leone thing, you know, when behind, between your legs, we're going to come up. It's the biggest fucking crane you can get in, in Florida. <laughs> you know, and it's enthusiasm. And for me, I grew up on stage with Ingmar Bergman. Ingmar Bergman was different. 
but they have this sick for me I compare I call him <laughs> Ingmar Bay <laughs> or, or Michael Bergman. Yeah, and yeah. I say they ha- they have a lot in common because they love each and every character. Yeah. What you forget about Michael, you hear a lot of stories. He's screaming and bitching at people because he runs around moving props, moving lights and stuff because he, he thinks he wants it to go faster. He yeah. wants it to be a pace because he wants pace in his stuff. But for me, I, I, I must, I hold him very dearly and I, I have the ability to call him and text him. And whenever, you know, I can, always go and have a beer with him and he's always a nice guy yeah and i i just i just love people being enthusiastic if you goes overboard sometimes sure whatever you you it's it's like having a coach if you were on a professional basketball team you want to have a coach sitting down just taking notes and saying hum hum that's great, guys. Great. Yeah. You want a coach that stands up and screams when the umpire says, that's a foul. Fucking no. Come on, scream. <laughs> you know, or in football. Yeah. That's a Michael Bay. He's more like a professional football coach or a basketball coach. Yeah. You don't You don't want a director just sitting down saying, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, can you do it again? You know. Let's do a master for the twenty third time. Sure, he's he's way beyond the master after two minutes. <laughs> but I he's, love that. I love that about his movies, and I've been a yeah. fan. I've been a fan of his films for so long. And sure, they're 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 pop, you know, like action movies. But I love the fact that they still exist. I just saw his ambulance one too, and it was like fun to see. I was like, whoa, dude. Well, like you love the drones now, but besides that, yeah. like it's super why, cool. Why does it? Did it do bad at the box office? I haven't seen it. I'm going to see it. But uh, it was, a, when I was going, it was like they said, oh, it's two and a half hours. So I have to pick up my daughter. Well, you know, it's two and a half hours with all, all, you know, all the other shit that goes on. It's going to be three hours. Yeah. Before it's over, it's like three hours, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I haven't seen it, but but it didn't do well. It's weird, man. I think it's just a weird time right now that we're, we have this shift in what's popular. And it's, I think it's tough uh, to do these action movies. Um, it's really weird, man. It's like, I, yeah. if I knew the fucking formula, then I'd figure it out. But like, at the end of the day, it's a great Michael Bay movie. I think it's, it's definitely up there. He's, he went back to his old school roots of like, uh, uh, the old one with Sean Connery and, and, uh, um, what was that one? The fucking uh, the uh, oh. Alcatraz one. Oh, the Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, rock. Uh, the Rock. Yeah, the yeah, Rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. It feels like the Rock, and it it has like a lot of really fun stuff in it, and like over the top performances, which is which I fucking love. And and at the end of the day, he's such a great visual. Like I come from cinematography originally. He's such a, a great visualist, and his his fucking shots are just absolutely gorgeous. And there's yeah, so yeah. there's so many directors that like tried to do the Michael Bay thing, and you're, you're just like you guys just don't get it. You don't understand the sauce. You don't understand the no, juice. No, you, you don't do. understand. And you know you have to have that passion. Yeah, it, it's I compare it to run a football team. I mean, you gotta have the passion or a basketball team. Yeah, you gotta have, you know, you gotta be there. You gotta bleed, even if you don't bleed. You have to bleed every every time. You know, you gotta have blisters, and you're gonna be hurt, even as a coach. Yeah, and 
And that's what Michael does. I mean, he's funny. We shot Armageddon. Yeah. And there was a scene going back from the asteroid. And we're like seven people in <clears throat> in the shuttle going back. And we have a scene where everybody has like a line, you know, and we had to run it over and over again. For seven people are going to say like four words and then you had three more words and it has to be like domino bricks are falling come on you say this blah 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 blah. no no pausing no pausing no pausing no pausing and he screamed at me peter you're pausing you're pausing you pause stop it peter why do you pause blah 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 and i said what i'm not pausing i'm saying it exactly you know the way the line is but it's it's too long i i had to breathe you know breathing breathe no you're not breathing you're pausing i michael try to say the fucking shit yourself then you know come on look at the monitor he said look at this you were taking a pause i'm breathing and he said yeah you're right it's too long it's too long can you can we cut a couple of words? Can Yes, of course. I'm happy to cut some words, you know, so Steve Buscemi can say he's after Owen Wilson, you know. It's better, you know, it's too long, Michael. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let's cut it down a couple of words. Let's do it then. Great. No, no pausing. No pausing. You know, so, so that's a pause. I it's a breath. <laughs> You're right. It's a breath. Fuck. <laughs> so he's funny, you know. He's screaming, "Come to the monitor and watch yourself." Yeah. You know, making you take a pause. It's like three second pause. No, it's like a split second of breathing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. I I love the passion and I love his on. He's very honest, and you you know you can't be that in Hollywood. If someone is dragging the legs behind him or her, sure, he says. Why are you on set? You're not happy today? What? You seem to be very fucking grumpy. I asked for a glass of t- glass of water to be on the table, and you take like five minutes. Where's the fucking glass of water? You know, it's, suppose it's in the script here. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And then people say, oh, fuck, he yelled at the prop guy, you know, he yelled at the set designer, well, et cetera. So, yeah, but yeah. It, but you get it, it's like you, you get it as a director because there's this sense, like when you get to larger things, I've directed a couple of larger union commercials. Everything yeah. slow, everything slows way the fuck down, and then you yeah, just, yeah you yeah. start to have department heads where it's like, can I get a extension cord over here? And you have three guys <laughs> unrolling a fucking extension cord to get extension it. cord. Oh, <laughs> you take care, extension cord, please. Yeah, and Michael is is because he, all his movies is is about adrenaline momentum yeah really yeah yeah and and he works himself up sometimes i think he's about to faint because he has the same adrenaline pumping as he want the movie to be <laughs> yeah yeah you know and and it's and that's, I say, you know, to people who complain, have you worked with him? No, 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 you know. But I had a friend that worked with him, and he was horrible. But but you did your friend work with him again? You know, people are working with him again. Yeah. Because it's interesting, too, to see somebody with passion. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but- and he's prepped. And he's prepped. Yeah. He's prepped in everything. He goes through it with his cinematographer and, you know, his A camera, B camera. He goes through with everybody. He's not coming onto a set and say, hmm, 
where should we put the camera, guys? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, of mm. course, of course. You know, every, everybody's it's more like, you know, they're standing up like Israeli soldiers when it comes, you know, ready, ready, Mike. Yeah, let's go. Let's shoot. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. And and I like that about him. It's he and he does like you said you do a lot of prep work. Yeah. Because I think ninety nine percent of success Bergman that I grew up with working with, he said to me, you know, whenever you do whatever you do, you know, TV, movies, stage, opera, prep work, prep work, yeah. prep work. Yeah, yeah. And pre- ninety nine ninety nine percent of your success is in your own little study at home. Yeah. Well, dude, and, and, and it's weird because I've, thankfully for COVID, that was one of the things I started to really research. I started to change the way I prep for actors and I was really sort of digging into all that stuff. And I, I oftentimes I beat myself up. I was talking to somebody about this the other day where I get so concerned about timing and I'm like, man, I, I wish I could do my prep work faster. And so I'm, I'm constantly trying to become more efficient with what I'm doing for my prep. But there hits a point where it's, there's a certain speed. <laughs> there's a certain speed that it takes to open a program. There's a certain speed that it takes to draw things and to do things. And so. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But it's, it's, and it's, you're always racing it. You're always like, oh, okay, okay. How do I get this out of my head as fast as I possibly can onto the page so that we can make this fucking thing so it's still relevant by the time we make the damn thing, you know? So, yeah, it's hard when you do commercials as you do, you know? Oh, oh dude, 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 dude. So what does the ad agency think? It's too much beard. Yeah. What? <laughs> On that guy sitting over there. Well, I can take him out of the shot. He's not really, no, he's got to be in the shot. We like him, but it's too much beard. <laughs> Go okay, it. let's cut the beard. Waiting, <laughs> yeah. waiting, waiting. Okay, so um, yeah. the car is in the wrong place. No, it was put here. You know, no, can you move it? I don't like it. You know, it's like, the, I know commercials. I've done my done. I've done my thing and I like it and I really hate it because sometimes it's a good paycheck and it's fun. It's sure, fast. Sure. But sometimes people are really really crazy in one commercial i did it's this is true too long you know the hair or the beard whatever i had i, I can't remember it's a hair or the, you know two three times mm, and uh mm, yeah it's good now no maybe a tad more down no 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 no. now it's too now it's too long you took away on the side too so they had to glue back some hair you know on the side it's like Four times into a fucking makeup trailer to finally, yeah, that's good. Now it's good. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Why did you hire me in the first place? You know, know. you sold me a beard. Of course I can cut it down, but, you know, to do it three, four times, going back and forth, it's like everybody's just thinking you're crazy. I know. And then you 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 go out on the set and you say like one line, like these are my my favorite adult diapers. And then you're done. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's, yeah, it's Hollywood. It's, you know, I'm happy because I've been working, you know, constantly for 30 years. I've been very, very successful. I've been, you know, avoiding doing bigger parts in B-movies. Like all European actors get offered a lot, unless you're from England. Sure. You you get offered, like, remakes of movies, you know, like Robocop or, you know, remake of some movie with some new Brazilian guy who had an Oscar nomination for (laughs) best Brazilian movie. Let's hire him and do a remake of Rocky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, and yeah. but then I then I realized, you know, do I want to do this? It happened after Fargo, like that's twenty five years ago, twenty six. It happened, you know, and um, the manager I still have, she said, Peter, you have two. There's two ways here. You can make a lot of money in five to seven years, mm-hmm. then you will never work again, or you can work your whole life by doing some cool things with A-list people in Mm. cool movies and some independent and, you know, Mm. and just go your own route. Mm. And and I'm I'm what John Lennon said, you know, I'm a grasshopper. I can't just stay in one place all the time. I just want to jump from one kind of music to the other. So I... I, I'm a grasshopper. I don't want to be on a show and I've been offered and I've been, you know, lucky to get out of prison break. And, you know, I I was almost sued because I wanted to leave so badly. But uh-huh. it's hard to be on network TV where you do 22 episodes and you're under a fucking yeah. hammer all the time. Yeah. And hit, hit the mark, say your line. It's the same line that she says. I don't care. We cut it out later. Just shoot the shit, you know. Hit hit the mark. Say your line. Okay, move to the next. Hit your line. Say your line. Hit the mark. Yeah. And you go crazy. But but overall, I've been, you know, I work with things that I really like. Some of the movies I've done, no one might never have seen. But the environment for me has always been a very positive environment when i'm on set i'm always bringing you know joy yeah and things i always come with suggestions i meet the director beforehand or the writer saying these lines i mean are very strange can i say the same thing but with these lines that i suggest so i have my language yeah not so i don't sound like sammy i'm joe so sammy speaks like maybe joe speaks like this and often nine times or eight times or ten both the director and the writer is saying yeah yeah absolutely do it that way and and it becomes more alive it becomes more alive and yes yes and i and and I, I'm always good, you know, when it comes to a movie set, you come in, you, you do a small part or you do, do a bigger part. Mm-hmm. And I go in, into when you, you know, you try out your costume, what's suggested to you. I always come in and I said to the costume, you know, department and the head of the costume department, uh, he or she, and I say, what is your first option? <laughs> what, what is your first option? The one thing you wanted me to wear and they say, how do you mean? You have one option that is your favorite. I know. Yeah. That's the first one you came up with. Then you have some alternatives here. Sure. But what is your first choice? And they say this. That's what we're going with. Smart. Okay. And I take it on as that because, you know, I was taught on th- in theater by, by a great master called Bergman that you're just Peter. Sometimes you're just a the blue little dot in the corner of a Monet painting or a, (laughs) or a Rembrandt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, the whole picture would not have been that great without that blue streak Mm -hmm. of cobalt blue up there. That's what makes this painting so cool because you look at that blue and you look at the painting without that blue. So remember every part is 
absolutely, you know, it's absolutely important for this whole painting. Yeah. It's like the universe. There's small little rocks that keeps the sun in place and keeps the <laughs> you, our universe in place. And big, 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 big planets. And we're all circling around. We all are entwined and we need each other, you know, so we can be alive. And, and I always carry that with me too. Because the first choice, I know if I said, no, I don't want to have a red T-shirt. I want to have a blue because I look fat in red. Oh, yeah. Right. Here we go. I, I, know, I know that she or he, who is the head, who has been doing the homework and they've been prepping, they know that the lead girl is wearing a red, uh, wearing a blue dress in the scene. So, you know, right. and I can't fight for the blue. I, I always go for the first. So my fittings usually takes 15 minutes and everybody's happy. That's great. That's great. actually. Because, yeah, because they have done and I have to respect them. They have done their homework, too. Yeah. And most of them are so great. They are so fantastic in creating costumes. So why should I come in and say, no, I'm going to wear these. I'm going to have cowboy boots and I'm going to wear, you know, a wife beater. Yeah. I love that. I look cool like that and leather pants. Right. But you're, you're in an office. Yeah. Who the <laughs> fuck cares? You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Because, then, because it's, it's ego though, at that point you're, you're doing yeah, it, yeah. you're doing it specifically to make make you either make a statement about yourself and your position on the film, or you're doing that to make to sort of mask the insecurity that you somewhere somehow have with the film, and then you should really be examining where that fucking insecurity is coming from. Is it coming from a lack of communication from the directors or from the people that you're working with? Like, um, yeah, it, that's it's an interesting. Whenever I see something like that happen, I'm always like, what's the fucking real root of this here, man? Because there's there's something going on. And if you're feeling insecure about something, like it, it's so crazy how in our business, there's so much outside influence that is consistently sort of piling, like pushing itself over the walls into your creative project where it's just like, what did you get in a fight last night? Yeah. Did you get arrested last night? Like what, what, <laughs> what are you coming to set like this for? You know? Yeah. And it's, you know, when it comes, let's say props, I, I started when I was 20 years old mm. working with props on Swedish TV and on stage. Oh no shit. And it was great to see all the plays coming along or the TV productions. And you were in the, I was in the wings coming from the countryside and getting into <laughs> the whole prop thing. Uh -huh. So whenever, you know, the props comes over and say, we have this, we have a, you know, you're supposed to have a ring and you're supposed to wear a watch and you have a knife, you know, in this scene, you know, which one is your, and I always say, what's your, what's your first choice? What do you like me to wear? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they say, I think it would be cool. I really like this watch. I'll, that's, oh, yeah, let's wear it. And, and this knife is kind of great. I mean, you have these, you know, but yeah, no, that's what I take, you know, because he has also, or she has done their homework. They have read the script and they have made notes. He has a knife. I have to go to, you know, the department of knives and pick a knife for the crazy guy. So they pick like 10 options, sure. but I know they have one. They really like themselves. Well, see this, look, this is probably why I like you so much as an actor, because you can see all the stuff that you're talking about, 
you know, like the choices that you made with the devil, the choices that you've made uh, with with dealing with crew and, and understanding that you have because you worked in a crew position. So you have an understanding of what it takes to do that stuff. And then just the path that you've chosen as an actor, your roles, your parts outlive the projects in, in a weird way where like, I always say this about, about, uh, rewatching movies. I don't go back to rewatch. Like I'm not watching citizen Kane every year. You know what I mean? I'm not going back and watching the most dramatic, like, like I'm not watching like some sort of intense, uh, dramatic movie every year. I'm going back and watching those movies with these small bit parts and I love them so much. And it like you played a bunch of them, but if, if you go back into my childhood, it's like the guy who played Ellis and Die Hard, the guy with the Coke problem. He's like, the, yeah. he's the reason why I go back and watch that movie a lot because I love yeah, him in yeah, that. Yeah. And like all these small parts and characters, actors like you or William H. Macy or all these, different uh character actors that have made the right decision in their career play parts that outlive the movie itself and that become like the reason of cinema and, and like if i had to rattle off scenes in my favorite movies it would be like you know the guy in i can't remember his name the guy in predator that had the razor blade and he was shaving his head and he was bald-headed guy i can't remember his name <laughs> yeah 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 i know i can't remember either. but i fucking no, i great. fucking love yeah. him in that you know what i mean it's yeah. those yeah and as a director i always say that whoever has to lead and carry a movie that's the fucking worst job cuz most of the time that yeah. role is like vapid you know what i mean and you you have to carry the entire film and like you have to be a sex symbol and everything else. And these other character actors that get to come in for a week or a couple of days and sort of texture these things out, that's the fucking role. Like that's the Yeah, game. and that's that's been my part of, you know, my path. And because I want to do eight projects a year, not just one, yeah. and be the same same hairdo and the same look. Yeah. 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 I want to come in and you know, I change, you know, I change my look. I change the way I walk and also small little things. If I have three scenes in a movie, I think about small things because like in life, even characters, they can be constipated or they have tummy ache or they are horny <laughs> or they are just bored or they haven't slept. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes write in this scene, you haven't slept. You, you were kept awake by a crazy fucking maniac, you know, screaming in the next room. <laughs> so, so I have that into that. I can be sort of sleepy and I take that with me because in real life, you're not the same guy tomorrow, Mike, as, as you are today. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that sort of reflects even on characters. So if you're the same in every scene, I slightly change if I have three scenes. I don't want to be exactly the same. Oh, it's so refreshing. I, I, I do. And sometimes I can, you know, just come up with a little thing. I twisted my ankle, so I have to walk a little, you know, with a little, <laughs> you know, strange, a little strange walk in the last scene. Yeah. Because yeah. that happens in real life, too. You hurt your finger or you haven't eaten, you know. You, you, you didn't get 
trying to eat breakfast or I'm hungry. In this scene, I'm also hungry. And I want to fucking kill this guy. But underneath it all, I'm just hungry. Yeah, see, but, <laughs> but those are those things. Those are the details mm -hmm. that are the identifiable details. Those are the, those are the things that connect with an audience. And so whenever I get fucking notes on a script or something where it's like, how does this character connect with the audience? I don't know yet until we film <laughs> no. them, until we <laughs> no, physically no. film yeah. them. You know, like those are the things. It's not the words that are on the page or the structure or the fucking no. or the exposition and the backstory bullshit. Uh, like that stuff drives me nuts every time where you're writing all this stuff essentially for the, the people that are reading it. And you're like, okay, so w there's a reason why when you hand a script to actors, you cross out all the stage direction on the script. You're like, yeah, you're not going to do any of this. Like, let's figure out what you're going to do and let's find it. And all those little details that you're talking about, it's like, yeah, what happened if before your character show walks into this room, they just stood in line for six hours at the at the fucking registry of motor vehicles? Like, yeah, uh, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fucking irritated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had enough. Yeah. I had enough for one day. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely true. I love that. Man. And I think you know. I, I have my fantasy goes far when I try to create, you know, characters. And even if it's, as I say, three scenes, you're not the same people. Yeah. You're not the same people. You're not the same guy in day number two and day number nine. You, you've changed a little bit. I, dude, and I, when you're talking, when you're talking about this, sorry to interrupt you, but when you're talking about it, I just want to make a movie that's just that, <laughs> like literally just a single character that's just walking in and out of scenes in different modes and just, just observing each and every one of those modes. There's something so fucking satisfying about that. To watch I think it. we need a meeting in June. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, two brains will, will mix a good cocktail. Yes, I think so because too. Because it's, it's, it's just, it's just, you know, to be daring enough to tell stories in a different way that they haven't been told before. Yeah, man. And it might be the same old Brothers Grimm story going around or the legends that we still, they say, we do over and over again. But, you know, there's new stories. You can come up with things. I, 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 I do it all the time. And, and just to be a little bit daring. Yeah, dude. And, and you know what? There's, I get it, right? So in order to get money or get people in the seats, you you have to like go. Okay, was this an established fucking character? Okay, fine, great. Whatever you have to do to say to get people in there, but then fuck it all up. Like when you're making it, yeah. actually, actually go like, why do we have to do standard TV coverage and exposition in this scene? Why do the actors have to say fucking anything? Most of the time, these are comic book characters that are walking through panels and swinging through panels. Can't we make those scenes just as interesting as when you open up the fucking comic book? Do we have to sit yeah. here and listen to like how their father beat them and then go through this prog? Like, how about I see them do it instead of have them tell Yeah, them yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your backstory should not be told. Yes. Yes. You know, that was Bergman said, T, just give the audience 60%. They are willing to add 40%. Let them use the fantasy. Yes. 100%. Dude, that's why, honestly, that's why I don't videotape this podcast. Really? Because yeah. at the end of the yeah, day, for, yeah. for all anybody knows, we're hanging out in Lamborghinis, driving and talking to each other at the same time. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
<laughs> well, Peter, look, this yeah. this has no, been no. so yeah. fucking good. I should probably I hate cutting it off because I, <laughs> I, I should I've had so much, so much fucking fun talking to you on yeah, this show. Yeah, the same. It Let's is, get together in June. You have my contact. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get off air. I just wanted to thank you again for being on the show. And I, I and th this is going to be a great fucking episode. Too. Oh, thank you for having me. Anytime. Anywhere. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> it is <laughs> i just finished talking with him for at least another 30 minutes offline i love this guy peter is the shit he's so cool um yes he is as cool in real life as he seems when you watch the movies he's got such a great sense of humor and when you look at this stuff that he does on screen you he does it effortless you feel like that this is just the way the guy breathes and he plays so many creepy characters that he must just be a creepy dude in real life, right? Because it just flows out of him naturally. Like, who else would you call up to feed your best friend into a wood chipper, right? But he is the nicest guy. The, he seems to be the coolest collaborator. He's such a breath of fresh air. If I had him walk on one of my sets for a few days or for a few weeks... I would just feel so happy to have that ammunition behind a film. And for those actor listeners that have been enjoying this show, I hope you guys walk away with some interesting things to think about. I think his, his very humble assessment of his career and his choices that he made makes him who he is today. And I know that we all think that we're the leads of a movie. I know that we all think that we're the star of the show, regardless if you work in this industry or not. We're all trying to find a way to be the most important person around. But the truth is that we're not. And that's okay. It's okay to be the supporting character. It's okay to be the supporting crew person. It's okay to be the supporting friend or spouse or brother or sister because that's a big piece of the narrative that we're living in. And honestly, whenever I get to play a supporting character, if I get to go work for Gina and do lighting, or if I get to go hang out with a friend, or if I get asked just to cook a meal for somebody, and I'm there as a puzzle, as a piece to that puzzle, it's actually a lot more enjoyable than the stressful position of having to carry the whole motherfucking thing. You know? Ah. I told you it was a great episode. I feel it in my bones that this is a good one. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting me on the show. And uh, thank you all for uh, consistently telling your friends to listen to the show. The numbers going up are a great reason why we have a guest like today. And I hope that we can continue to do so. I hope we can continue to push the limits of this and tell your friends to listen to today's show for a bunch of different reasons. Just movie fans alone, the shit that he told us about what it's like to work on a Michael Bay movie, the geek in me was sitting here and laughing, and all of the laughing that you hear from me in the background is real, because <laughs> it was so much fucking fun. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining me. 
I'll see you guys next Tuesday. Maybe we can follow this up. I don't know. <laughs>